Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Welcome in to the latest episode. This will be episode three of season three of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. This is entitled SEC East. We're going to break down the East. I'm going to, of course, be correct, more correct than Tom. But speaking of Tom, he's my co-host. Tom, speak up. Let us know you're listening. Yeah, I got to speak up. You're, you're taking uh, taking umbrage with my my picks right off the bat. I hadn't even got started yet, so I'm here. I'm accounted for. I come to roll this year, brother. Do you? Let me ask you something. Do you roll on Shabbos? <laughs> don't mess with the Jesus man. <laughs> I don't handle money on Shabbos. I don't. I don't cook. I don't clean. I don't answer the the door. And I sure shit don't roll on Shabbos. <laughs> Oh, me. All right, well, Tom, remind, and you know, Huddy is possibly going to play this on the radio. Uh, he cusses on the radio all the time. I what? try not to. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how the FCC, I guess when you have like four listeners, uh, the FCC doesn't mess with you, but I just dropped the <laughs> S-bomb, so hopefully my kids aren't going to listen. But, you know, Tom, so uh, we've talked about this before, and when we're warming up, and before he ever hits record, we're talking about what, how do we want to do the podcast? Because as you can tell by our all of our podcasts, we're very seldom prepared uh, more than not, not more than we have to. And he said, "Hey, last year didn't we have like a topic we talked about beforehand?" And I'm like, "I, I don't know, did we?" And I look back at my notes, and sure enough, we had we called it commentary. Totally forgot we did the commentary. So, uh, so actually, I can do the commentary. I can throw together. That is how talented this half of the podcast is. I can throw together a quick commentary. A couple of things, Tom. We this this past summer, summer is still going on. But you know, really, does it not feel like? I know when I was in education, man. After Fourth of July, summer is over, bro. And the the that's the negative. The good thing about summer being over is you're rolling into college football season. So, you know, technically we're summer till what, September 20th, 21st, 22nd, something like that. But, man, you know, we're, we're August 16th today, and it's over. Um, it's still hot, and it's going to be hot. But I, I doubt I get in a pool again unless I'm at your place and uh, enjoying some beverages. But anyway, back to the, the point of the commentary. Earlier this summer, <laughs> I threw my girlfriend a 40th, surprise 40th birthday party, and we hired a band from Las Vegas called the Whippets. So me and said girlfriend, Misty, are out at the local pizza joint Friday night, and Todd Bolin, friend of the show, 
is he puts Tom and I in a group text, and it's a picture, and it's the Whippets. He's in Vegas, and we begged him to come to the party, and he didn't come. He's going to Vegas. Tom's like, dude, you got to catch him. So he goes, and he catches him, and then he sends a couple of videos. So I'm sitting there enjoying the pizza. All of a sudden, I get a FaceTime call from Todd <laughs> Bolin. This dude, did, he never calls me. So I answer, and it's, it's Robin, the lead singer of the Whippets, and she's she's in character. She she is in Vegas mode, and I don't even think she knows who she's talking to. And she's like, oh, no, don't come to Vegas. It's very hot out here. I tried to get the point across <laughs> that you and I and uh, Misty and Deb are going to be out there Labor Day weekend. I don't think she heard. But but we have another groupie in Todd Bolin, and I'm sure his wife. But if you ever go to Vegas, go to Carnival Court that is outside – and they play Friday 1 to 7, Saturday 1 to 7, and then Monday night, I think 6.30 to 11.30, 7 to 11, something like that. But we're going to hit the the night show. The night show looks very lit, as the young ones say these days. <laughs> so let me hijack your commentary in a couple yes. spots there. Go right ahead. So one, uh, you know, for you nostalgic types, Todd was a Auburn offensive lineman in the early 90s. That's why JT didn't mention it, but this is a sports broadcast. So, is this a broadcast or just simply a podcast? I think it's a podcast that's being broadcast. Never mind. On the interwebs. Yeah. Uh, Second point, I have another buddy, Shane Trippany who had never been to Vegas two years ago. I know you've heard this story a little bit, JT, but he'd never been to Vegas, and I was going to show him a good time. I was already out in Vegas. I was out in Vegas for 10 or 11 days playing poker. Tiffin come out that week. You came out that week. I came out second leg. Trippany covered first leg. I covered second leg. And so I talked up the whippets to Trippany. And... <laughs> Trippany uh, is all about it. He's not been to Vegas. He just piggybacking on what we want to do. So I take him over to Harris, and we get there right at like two o'clock, right when they're starting. And he loves them. Of course, everybody I take there loves them. They're awesome. I mean, they're just that good. So if you're in Vegas, go get them. But <laughs> Trippany's out there, and for those of you who don't know Trippany, Trippany's a drinker. <laughs> <laughs> he can put them back, sir. Uh, so, Trippany, we go up to the beverage bar, and I order a beer, and Trippany orders a local craft beer. It's like, oh, that's good. He's he's going to get out there and try some of the local brew. And then he orders a Coors Light. I was like, who's the Coors Lights for? He's like, that's the chaser. <laughs> <laughs> So he he orders a regular beer and then a Coors Light chaser every time he goes to the bar. (laughs) And so uh, we sat out there and watched the Whippets from 2 to 6.30. And then I said, you know, this was his first night in Vegas ever. So I'm going to take him downtown, show him downtown and have a bite to eat. I get sick. (laughs) Yeah, uh, air quotes. Tom gets air quotes sick. Close air quotes. I'm hurling everywhere, and uh, he has to take me back to the hotel, and uh, it was a bad situation. But he did enjoy the whippets. (laughs) 
they they're good. I, I can't wait to see them until we get out there. Three weeks, dude. What's today? Monday. Hey, three weeks from tonight, we'll be at the Whippet. So nice. something to look forward to. It is. Uh, the second part of my commentary is I did something today that was uh, very embarrassing. I played golf. I'm terrible at golf. I try to I try to golf a little bit because Tom and has this grand idea that we're going to get twelve dudes to go on a guys only weekend and we're going to play thirty six holes on Saturday and eighteen on Sunday before we fly out or drive out or whatever. And I, I'm not against that, but I'm just a terrible golfer. I grew up playing. I kind of hit a plateau and. My daughter just came in. You probably heard the door open. Sounds like you live in a spooky house. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I just I hit a plateau, and I got to where on when I was when I was a Ute, I would just play like nine holes because yeah, I couldn't, I wasn't old enough to get a cart, and I would just you what? Uh, I said when I was a Ute, uh, I would just play nine holes and not the full a eighteen. What? You know, a Ute when oh, oh a youth. I'm sorry, guys. We we do this joke too often. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we need to. We make sure we we have to make sure that the joke lasts 15 seconds or, or is it 30 seconds? I don't know what our skip is, but they can just hit when they hear the Ute. They can say, "Yep, 30 second skip. Let's get on with the program." But uh, a rep came in. One of my reps that I deal with in in business came in, and we played the local Red Bay course and. I played 18, and I did not put an 8 down on my scorecard. Oh, congratulations. I did, however, put a 12 down. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, honest to goodness, that was – I blew up one hole, and I'm I'm the type of golfer. I'm terrible, but I'm, I'm not going to cheat. What, wow, okay, yeah, let me cheat, and instead of shooting a 56 on 9, I'm going to shoot a 53. Wow, let me get the <laughs> scorecard framed, you know. I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to count every stroke. And, uh, you know, I put my share of sevens down. I parred a couple, parred the, the worst thing that can absolutely happen. And I think you, uh, I hope you know where I'm going with this. You smoked a hole and ready to play again. The last hole. The last hole I smoked. <laughs> okay. In, after about 12 holes, my driver, all of my woods go up. My driver never came out today. I can't hit it. And I hit the three wood, hit the five wood. They leave me about hole 12 to 13. And then I have to just go straight irons. So, or at least off the tee box. So I, I, on 18, it's a par five. I tee off with a two iron. I hit it pretty good. I don't, I don't hit it in the screws, but I mean, I'm probably 95% flush and you know, it throws it out there. Good 220 to two, maybe 40 after the roll. Nice little fade. And I'm like, okay, well, let's do the proper play here. Let's pull out the five wood. Yeah. So (laughs) some people call it a slice. I call it a power (laughs) fade. Pull out the five wood and hit it kind of on the bottom because it kind of twists the, the club in my hands, but I hit it flush. It gets probably 15 feet off the ground, and the, again, power fade. Rolls up there, 111 from the the green. I take a nine iron and stick it, dude. I mean stick it. And then I got a long putt. I got a 35-foot putt for birdie. And I'm like, I'll take a two put. And dang, if I didn't roll a gimme and tap in par, and I'm like, that is the worst thing that could happen because now <laughs> I want to play and I'm terrible. So that anyway. dude jerk and roll, man. <laughs> <laughs> Lebowski, Lebowski uh, references fly, flying left and right. So uh, there's a commentary. I was afraid we would. We we're just breaking down the ACC East tonight. Not really going to talk about anything else. 
and uh, Tom, we're already short on time. Of course we are. So let's jump into the SEC East breakdown. Uh, remind me now, you got the commentary next week. If I don't remember to put it on the, the sheet, just fill it in, and we'll make sure we, we get you your five minutes of fame there. So uh, SEC East breakdown, and we talked. this is what we talked about off the air, how we're going to do it, one through seven, seven through one. I give all my seven. We go alternate. So we've decided to alternate starting with the bottom and going to the top, and if you know, if you listen, if you're a faithful listener to this podcast, you know who my number seven team is in the East. It's going to be here. It's going. They're going to be in the number seven slot until we expand. Then they're going to be in the number eight slot because it's in my contract, and that <laughs> is no team other than the Tennessee Volunteers. I have them, and legit though, I put them there the first year kind of as a joke, and I thought, well, I'll just run with this. I'll do it every year. And I, I think two years ago, I really didn't feel like they would finish last. Not sure if they did or didn't. I can't remember because two years ago, would that have been Jeremy's first year? He was there two years. So I thought they would be better. But, dude, this year they're legit. It's between them and Vandy for me on number seven. And I've got them three and nine, oh and eight. And, dang, I did not bring my helmet schedule home. So you're going to have to help me on who their non-conference games are but i've got them going three and nine winning three non-conference oh and eight in the league and on the notable wins and losses out beside their name i've got l o l i I really do think they're (laughs) going to be that bad uh there's a common theme to my bottom teams and there's three new coaches in the sec east this year and that's going to be a theme of my bottom dwelling teams I think Josh Heupel was the worst hire of the the four teams that that hired new coaches. You had USC, Vandy, Tennessee, and then Auburn. And I Heupel is he's in over his head, in my opinion. So uh, who do you have at seven, Tom? Yeah, you you piggybacked on a little bit that uh, I was going after too, which is the new coaches. And I also went with a new coach team, but it was not Tennessee. It was indeed Vanderbilt. Uh, their new coach, Clark Lee, have no idea who that dude was. I, I looked it up a little bit, and apparently he uh, he was a walk-on fullback at Vanderbilt. So he really wanted to be there. <laughs> so he's he's back. <laughs> I got Vanderbilt going. A cool one and eleven. Now that's an improvement over last year's record when they went zero and nine in the SEC. I guess they got a uh, cancellation game last year, right? Did we yeah. play ten SEC games? Yeah, we're supposed to. Yeah, so uh, apparently I think they uh, they had one coveted out, but uh, the new coach in, inherits a, a team that's going to <laughs> just like the uh, Ute uh, reference. I'm going to use my old tried and true joke that always falls flat but Vanderbilt returns <laughs> 17 <laughs> starters this year <laughs> they're used to losing Tom yes good news and bad news good news they returned 17 starters bad news they returned 17 starters that went 0 and 9 so uh I still have them in in the uh, cellar I feel like they'll open up with a W against East Tennessee State in their opener, and they'll all be scouring the top 25 to see if they got any votes to get in there, which they would not have. And that's it. 
that's they'll they'll rattle off eleven consecutive losses. They have a shot, maybe. Uh, they have Connecticut at home in Game Five, but otherwise, unless they pull something out of their hat at Tennessee, uh, which you have Tennessee in last place, so in maybe the bag, maybe there's something buddy. there. But Andy's uh, winning that one. But they they will they will likely lose by twenty plus to every other team on their schedule. Not gonna be a good opening year for Coach Lee. Uh, the you can move the Vandy Tennessee game. You can move on this game in Vandy's favor, like the game has already been played. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a perfect segue into my number six team. Of course, Vandy. I have an asterisk by their name. New coach, like you said, Clark Lee. I've got them three and nine. I like I said, I apologize to the listeners. Do you have your helmet schedule handy? I do. All right, Vandy. I've got them winning the first one. Who's the other non-conference? Uh, they go to Colorado State in Loss. week two, and then they host Stanford, believe it or not. Loss. <laughs> yeah, and then I just mentioned a while ago their fifth game, they also host Connecticut. Okay, that's where I've got them winning the opening weekend, Connecticut, and then closing out against Rocky Top. So, three and nine overall, you've got them one and 11. I've got uh, their conference record is one and seven, Tennessee, of course, being the, the lone win. So your number six team is Tennessee. It is not. Oh man, my hopes for the Vols from Tom Sims. Yes, I have another first-year coach plugged in to the number six spot, Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, I have South Carolina going a smooth three and nine this year. I just mentioned that Vanderbilt was going to go one and eleven, so you know they're going to pick up a win over Vandy there. I also have them beating a couple of non-conference teams in Eastern Illinois and Troy, and then also. Oh no, that's the three. Never mind. I'm yeah, not good it. at math. Three and nine. So that's that's where I've got them. I've got them losing all other SEC teams, including a road game at East Carolina. Uh, South Carolina is not really returning a lot. Even if they were, they went two and eight last year. They're sort of in the similar boat than Vandy is. When a team goes two and eight or zero oh and nine, like Vanderbilt does. I'm sorry, but a new coach is not going to turn that team around in one year. Uh, so, Unless you're welcome, Auburn. <laughs> welcome to South Carolina. Uh, welcome to the uh, bottom half of the SEC East there, Coach Beamer. And I'll, I'll go ahead and list my number five because I think we have the same three teams at the bottom just in different order. And I've also got USC at five. You had them at six. I've got the record four and eight and two and six, so I, I, that's what that's basically what I've got at the bottom of the East is USC gets wins over Vanderbilt, Tennessee. Vanderbilt gets one win over Tennessee, and then South Carolina wins the two non-conference games that you mentioned. And why are they traveling to East Carolina? Like, how do you you're in the SEC and you're not named Vanderbilt? Like, why are you traveling to East Carolina? Last year. Would have been the year to do that when the, when all the COVID restrictions were in place. It was like, yeah, yeah, we'll come to your place, knowing you could only get five thousand fans in the stadium <laughs> anyway. You you could have 
<clears throat> could have bit up a lot of street credits there, but uh, yeah, I have no idea why you would go to East Carolina as a as a South Carolina team. That's that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, you know, Bama under Saban, Bama has gone to Duke, and you know, under Stallings, we went to Louisiana Tech one year, and or actually, uh, Daryl he will correct us on this. Did we go to Louisiana Tech? I know this. We played – maybe we went to Tulane. I know we played some Louisiana team in the Superdome one that year. That was Tulane. I guess it was. Like, Which, hey, as a Bama fan, of course, I was not of age at the time. But, dude, I would love to take an annual or semi-annual trip to, to New Orleans every year to watch Bama beat the crap out of Tulane. That was <laughs> a genius no move on Coach Stallings' part, I guess. But – I, I just I don't get USC traveling, and uh, the reason I have them at fifth, they, they they're weak. They are weak, and that is one thing about if you're if you're listening and you're kind of keeping up with who, I, and I, I don't know what your Tennessee pick is going to look like at five. I assume that's who you have, but I my bottom three, I've got their only wins being Eastern Division teams, and. I mean, the West is just so much stronger from top to bottom. And I know I know the number seven team in the West is, is a relative term to how strong they are. But my goodness, man. I mean, come on. You know, you USC, Vanny, Tennessee, you've got to have a heartbeat against the West teams. And I just don't see it this year. You made a personal assumption that you know how I pick teams. And you already got me plugged in with Tennessee in the fifth spot. And I think I showed with distinct clarity last week that I can read your soul. And that was uh, that was because I um, picked your underdog team of the the, the nation last <laughs> last yeah, week in Miami. Yeah, Miami. <clears throat> I got in, I get into your head, but but you you just can't sit there and pretend to know how my order goes. I, I kind of think outside the the SEC box sometimes, and and you know you never know what you'll get from me. So in fifth place, I have Tennessee. Um, there we go. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I got them going five and seven this year. I have them uh, picking up non-conference wins against Bowling Green, even though I think that may be the iffiest one. Bowling Green, Tennessee Tech, and South Alabama. Got them picking up three wins there. And then within the conference, I have them beating Vanderbilt and beating South Carolina, the two teams I have below them. So the South Carolina was kind of a toss-up game to me between having Tennessee fifth or sixth. That will definitely come down to that game, but Tennessee does have them at home, and there's nothing like when you can fill up a 100,000-seat stadium with 25,000 screaming Tennessee fans. It's hard to play in there. So, uh, five and seven, fifth in the SEC East. Yeah, you know, Tennessee, and, and it is it is so hard for me to put – like, well, it's easy for me to put Tennessee at the bottom because that's in my contract. But, you know, realistically, it's it's hard to look at, at just the name Tennessee based on what we dealt with with Phil Fulmer and think, man, are they really going to be below Vandy and USC? And the reason I think they – the reason I have them at seven is because, dude, they had so many transfers. They're starting running back transferred to Oklahoma. Henry Toto transferred to Alabama. That was two of their whoop, best whoop. players. 
and they had a lot more transfers out and a lot fewer transfers in. I just don't know how good they're going to be. I don't think they have SEC caliber athletes, and you know, probably neither does Vanderbilt. And USC is going to struggle to put SEC quality athletes on the field at every position. But I, as as anyone can surmise, picks five, six, and seven from both of our sheets is just. They're they're not they're ungood. They're, they're not a lot of talent there because we had the the same three teams. So let's move on to teams that actually might have a winning record overall. I'll let you start with four. Yeah, I think we both have the same fourth place team. I got Missouri going seven and five. Is that yours? That is same yep. record as well. I think uh, I think Missouri will start the season five and one, which will will be a, a solid start for them, but they really have a weak front end. They got Central Michigan. They go to Kentucky in week two, which I have them losing. Then they have Southeast Missouri State. They go to Boston College. That game, I don't know if they can win it. That I really don't. Um, Boston College is going to be a, a, a decent team in the ACC. I I feel like they're probably a similar team as Missouri, but they have to go on the road there. So that's going to be a tough one. Then they get Tennessee and North Texas, both gimmies. <laughs> <laughs> Love and it. And so <clears throat> the the back half of their schedule is going to be tough, though. They they have A&M, Georgia, Florida, and Arkansas all on the uh, four out of the last uh, seven games there are against uh, – tough sec east and west team so uh seven and five is where i got them i don't know that they have anything exceptional on both sides i think their defensive uh linebackers and uh defensive line will be pretty good particularly their defensive line i think they're going to have a really good defensive line i don't think a lot of teams will run the ball against them unfortunately for missouri there's not a lot of teams who run the ball anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, seven and five, I think, is where they're at. I got seven and five, and I've got four and four in conference. And believe it or not, I and the notable wins and losses, which I asked you to do or gave you the option to do out to the side on your notepad, I've got them beating Georgia. I do, and and it'll make a little bit more sense why when we get up to the where we where I have Georgia listed, but uh, that's that's going to be the feather in their cap. And you know, drink Eli is it Elijah Elia Drinkwit last name coach's last name is Drinkwitz. Uh, you know, I thought he was a complete joke last year. I don't I even remember he where he came from. It's me. It'd be nice if he would, <laughs> but. I don't even remember where he came from, and I thought it was a joke. And then you remember he punched one in. What did we beat him last year? Thirty-eight to nineteen, and they scored with like I, th- I don't even think they let him kick the extra point. That's how late they scored. Mm-hmm. Like it was ridiculous. He just punched one in just so he could make the score look more respectable. And I lost a lot of respect for him. But man, he's a pretty good coach, and that's I, that's one reason I have him in in fourth place above USC and Vanderbilt, Tennessee, because of the coach. And I, I think that he can rally the troops and get a win over Georgia. So seven and five, four and four. That's a but heck I, of a win there. I do have him losing to Kentucky, which is my number three team. Do you know? And I have not done the research on this, so I hope I hope I'm right. 
You know who the most the the most tenured coach in the ACC is currently, correct? That's Coach Saban. That's Coach Saban at, at the same school. I guess we needed to to denote that because Mullen has uh, been in the league a while as a head coach. Of course, he moved schools. If I'm not mistaken, Stoops at Kentucky is the second uh, most tenured coach, and he man. At a place like Kentucky where basketball is king, they were smart. The, you look at his records in the past, and he sh- he would have been fired at most any other school, but they stuck with him, and he's he's turned out to be a good coach. He's turned out to have quality football teams. And if you're Kentucky, with Tennessee being down, you know, you've got to look. and You get Mississippi State every year. You ought to be able to at least hold serve at home against Mississippi State. And you get USC, Vandy, Tennessee. There's four conference wins right there. If you schedule four cupcakes, what what you have to play Louisville every year because yeah, that's the in-state rival. I don't guess you have to, but they do. But schedule the other three cupcakes. You're at seven wins, and then if you beat Louisville, you're at eight. And then if you you know maybe you pull a, a week a, a weaker Western Division team, and you could get to nine wins, eight, nine, ten, maybe even ten wins on a just a good year. I've got Kentucky this year at nine and three and five and three in the SEC, and you're going to have to help me out. Look at around game five. Who they play like uh, Georgia, Florida, and somebody else is back to back to back. LSU. LSU, and there's three losses in a row. What games are those? Is that five, six, seven? That is uh, five, six, seven. Okay, so th- that's the scary part about me putting them at nine and three and five and three in the league. That means I feel like they're going to start out 4-0 and then drop three in a row and go to 4-3. and And, like, can Stoops keep the team together? I think he can. I think they went out. They close out the season beating Louisville for the, their ninth win and get a nice New Year's Day bowl. That's an excellent point about Stoops being a second longest tenured coach. And I just flipped through here just, uh, just for a gee whiz when you said that. The majority – of SEC coaches right now are first or second year coaches. The majority. Let's just think about this. Because we're so close to this Alabama program, it feels like Kirby Smart just left. It just you know, it's it's really still fresh and kind of raw. Mm-hmm. He's entering his sixth year at Georgia. <laughs> makes his makes him the third most tenured coach in the SEC. Yeah, that's wild. (laughs) It is wild. But uh, I have Kentucky also at 9-3, and but I do not have them in third place. I have them beating Florida in their heads-up match, and by virtue of tiebreaker, which I'm giving away my Florida pick, by virtue of tiebreaker, I have them finishing the second spot. So my third-place team is actually Florida. I have Florida going nine and three. One of the things that Florida's going to struggle with is experience this year. They they lost a, a ton, particularly on the offensive side of the ball with Trask and Pitts and, and the other offensive weapons they had. Tony, they, Kadarius, they, Tony. Yes, they they were a weapon last year. Florida Florida had one heck of an offense. If they had fielded any semblance of a defensive all that last year, they would have been a playoff team. Yeah. Uh, they, they really would have. They, they they were that good on offense. Those guys are gone. Overall, I think they're only returning like nine or ten offensive starters. So the, or I mean, 
the whole team starters, nine yeah, or ten. Yeah. Offensive, I don't think they're they're pulling but four or five back, including a new quarterback. Now the new quarterback has a lot of hype. Uh, Top Dog, who's our resident Florida listener, he's he's a uh, he's a big Florida fan, but he doesn't seem to be very impressed with with the roster coming back. But I, you know, the more I look at this Emory Jones cat, which I couldn't even recall his name when I talked to Top Dog last week, wasn't really even sure who who the quarterback was going to be. But then looking into it, this guy may not be so bad. You know, he was a freshman last year. They had him playing. Uh, they had him playing when they could. Of course, it, you've got all, almost an All-American in trash just playing lights out, so it's not that they could put him in in any meaningful time. But he was playing in running situations some. You know, he's he's going to be a mobile quarterback, and that gives people fits. And he, he'll, have, he'll have the offense. We'll see what Mullen can do with him because, as you know, Mullen is a – he is a quarterback coach. Uh, just ask Dak Prescott. Just ask uh, ask a bunch of the folks that he's coached over the years. He's good. Um, one of the things that they're going to be missing, though, is the defense again. As poorly as they played on defense, they, they, they still don't have a lot returning there. And I feel like they're going to give up a lot of yards again like they did last year. And that's going to be the difference in that Kentucky-Florida game. I, that SEC second place is going to come down to that game. And right now I have Florida's three losses uh, as Alabama in the third game, at Kentucky in the fifth game, and I have them losing to Georgia in the Cocktail Bowl. Where does that put them otherwise? I don't think <laughs> Dude, there's – Hold up. Hold up. Did you just call it the cocktail bowl? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get when you start pre-drinking for the podcast. <clears throat> Tom, maybe you're onto something. Maybe you can petition and they'll change it to the cocktail bowl. <laughs> uh, but but I'm looking down through this schedule, and if, if, if they lose to Alabama, Kentucky, and Georgia, their signature win is going to be... LSU. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't have a lot of opportunity. I say they don't have a lot of opportunity. I take that back. They have Alabama, Georgia, LSU on their schedule. Those three by far are going to be teams that are the, the, the biggest, biggest names on their schedule. I'm looking through here. They may be the only guaranteed winning records. The rest of their schedule, Florida Atlantic, South Florida, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Sanford, Florida State, Missouri. Missouri's probably got a lot for a winning record. But the rest of those guys could have losing records. So unless they find a win in one of those three spots, I've I've got them losing there and and finishing 9-3. and So you've got – so I just went over my third pick, which is Kentucky. Your third pick is Florida. Yep. So let me go ahead and, and piggyback on Florida as my number two team. I have them at ten and two and six and two overall in the in the in the uh, SEC East. And I I see you make some good points. 
But I I have them, of course, losing to Georgia, and I'm not going to discuss who else I have them losing to. You'll have to tune in to the next I'm not targeting, you're targeting <laughs> to, to see who I've got them uh, uh, beating and because uh, I've only got them with two losses. But I, I got them in second place. And I do think they get Kentucky. I don't know about LSU. You know, that, that is so much vitriol. In that series, especially last year, the Florida guy threw the shoe that cost him, that cost him a chance. <laughs> I mean, all they had to do was not throw the shoe, and they yeah. beat LSU. You know, and you talked about them being a playoff team. I really think, of course, you know I have zero respect for Notre Dame. Zero respect for Notre Dame. I'm never going to respect them till they join a conference. And – I think Florida, if you put them against Notre Dame last year, I think they smoke them, even though you're right, they lack defense. Clemson and Ohio State, I don't know they could have beaten either one of them, but my gosh, dude, they would have scored. They would. I mean, they played us to within six points, which I think the I think the to get to six was a garbage touchdown very, very late. But still, I mean, we smoked Ohio State. You can't tell me that, that Florida would not have put up their share of points on them. And the reason that I think Florida might be might surprise at ten and two is, and you covered it, is Dan Mullen and his success he has with his quarterbacks, Dak Prescott. Of course, he was down there with Tebow as OC when Meyer was there at Florida. And Emory Jones is a mobile quarterback. He's going to scheme around his ability. And I mean, look, he put Trask in the Heisman the Heisman Trophy conversation. You know, a lot of people felt like he should have won it. And I tell you this, if they don't throw the shoe and they beat LSU and Trask comes to Atlanta and outduels Mac Jones, maybe he does win the Heisman on that last, you know, the, the last weekend push. But, you know, he didn't. Smitty won it and happy for him. But he turned Trask into a quarterback that, that was feared. I mean, he had a ton of touchdowns. But, you know, we talked about that last year. We would get the ball at first and goal from the two, and Najee would run it in. Florida, on numerous occasions, first and goal from the two, they're passing first and second down just to try to pump up his numbers. So mm-hmm. let's pump the brakes a little bit on his own trash numbers, but it doesn't take away from the fact that he was a very good quarterback coached by Dan Mullen, so that's why I have them at two. So that puts you Kentucky at two. Say what you want to about them, then we can close it out because obviously we both have Georgia at one. Yeah, I have uh, I have Kentucky at two, and and, and I want to take this moment in time here to to say how disappointed I have been in your alluderments. That's not a word, but that's what you keep doing. You keep <laughs> alluding to stuff, so I'm going to call them alluderments. Last week you made the offhand comment. This week you make the offhand comment. We all read between the lines, bro. You don't have to break it to me on on West Week next week that you're going to have Alabama losing a couple of games or or however how many you want. You've already went out on the limb said Miami. Now you're a looter minting that Florida is going to get them. This is is not what I signed up for, and I just want you to think about that for a week before we get back to the (laughs) SEC West next week. On to Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah, like I've already said, nine and three. I've got them beating Florida for the tiebreaker, having them both in the same. Kentucky's sort of in the same boat that you were talking about a while ago with Missouri. I have Kentucky winning their first 
one, two, three, four, five games. At five and zero, they will likely, particularly after that fifth game is Florida. So after that, they would be a top fifteen team. And then I have them losing three in a row promptly. I I think they're they've they'll get way up for Florida. It'll be a huge huge victory, and they'll turn right around next week and lose to LSU. Partially because they're so far up, but also because they'll be looking forward to the next week when they go to Georgia. That's a tough game for any team there. Florida, LSU, Georgia. Oh yeah. But uh, if if you get that victory, you're so high. And then LSU comes in and surprises you as a potentially mediocre to good team in the SEC West. Then you lose at Georgia, and then the wheels start to fall off, and then I also have them losing at Mississippi State. Mm, The Pirate. Yeah. So after that, they they get the Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and Mexico State Louisville finale so they should be able to right the ship there a little bit and and maintain their nine and three also gets them the sec east second place trophy which probably puts them firmly in the mm, maybe the gator bowl cap maybe cap one cap one gator bowl something like that depends on how the rest of it falls but yeah but but you know kentucky has one heck of a backfield this year. They're going to play defense and they're going to run the ball. That's uh that's what they're going to do. They're going to be unlike a lot of teams who make that run, and that's one of the reasons why I think that they can beat Florida. Florida's defense is poor, and Kentucky's going to control the ball and run the ball. And they had two running backs last year. Cavasi Smoke and Chris Rodriguez both averaged over six yards a carry. They were not the premier running back. I forget who their other running back was from last year, but those two guys are coming back, averaging over six yards. Their Kentucky defense under Stoops has been really good the last two or three years. So you're going to run the ball and play defense. You're going to beat a lot of teams, and I I give them the nod for second place. So that wraps up uh, seven through two, two through seven, either way you want to look at it. We're pretty close. We have – Bottom three is the same. Uh, middle three, of course, is the same. I have Florida at two. Tom has Kentucky at two, which puts Georgia at number one. And listen closely to what my prediction is for their record. I've got them at 11 and one overall. They open with Clemson. And then I have them seven and one in the SEC. So I've got them beating Clemson. They are going to be very good this year. The what's the quarterback's name? I want to say JD Daniels. Is that right? JT. JT Daniels. Tom. <laughs> JT Daniels is, is very good, and they're going to have enough production on the in the receiver spot. I did hear today that Eric Gilbert. You remember the guy that went to LSU? The tight end mm-hmm. Bama wanted him bad. <clears throat> And then there was rumors he was going to go to Florida. Then he went; he's gone to Georgia, and I actually saw it on an Auburn message board. So I don't, I don't have any confirmation other than the chit chat boards, and it wasn't even a Georgia chit chat board. But man, when you start transferring, and I heard he he was toting the buckshot GPA at uh, LSU, which for those who don't know, that is a zero point zero, made famous by Blutarski. <laughs> And so 
but they're going to they're going to be solid. They're going to be good on D. They're going to be better on offense than any team they're going to face in the ACC East. But and I've actually, you know, everybody listening is probably like, dude, you're on a computer. Just open up another window and pull up the helmet schedule. No, and, don't do that. You'll well, crash your computer. I thought I would, but hey, it's already been. I done. I done done it, Tom. I done been done it. <laughs> so Georgia, they're they are very good, but they are not quite ready for the limelight. I don't know if they ever will be. I mean, honestly, if they don't win it this year, when are they going to win it with Kirby? Dude, their heads are going to fall off if they make it to Atlanta and we beat them. Like, they're going to go nuts because we're going to be starting a first-year quarterback. But uh, listen to their schedule. So, they're going to beat Clemson, UAB, South Carolina, at Vandy, Arkansas. Arkansas might give them a little game, but that is at Georgia. At Auburn will be a tough game. Then Kentucky. Then they're going to beat Florida at the the Cocktail Bowl. bowl. Thank you very much. (laughs) So, that's going to put them at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. That's going to put them 8-0 and and flirting with the number one – the number one uh, ranking in the country. Definitely in the top four of the playoffs, probably two or three. And Well, if they beat Clemson, I think they'll be two. I think Bama will be one and Clemson will be two. But then they have to play Missouri. Drinkwitz has got something for them, and that is going to be their notable loss. Kirby cannot get it done. He cannot get the undefeated season. He loses in week whatever that is, November 6th. Missouri gets them. But 11-1, 7-1, that puts them in the SEC championship game versus the Western Division team, which you will find out next week. Wow. That's a, that is definitely a surprising loss you have them with. I have Georgia also at 11-1. They are stacked on offense this year. You, you alluded to it with JT Daniels. They have a plethora of receivers coming back. Uh, they have uh, their uh, – what is it? his name? Zamir? Was that the running back? Is he back? Zamir White? I don't know. He could be. All of them could be with a COVID year, but I'm not yeah, sure. I, I think they have, like, almost all the running backs back. Uh, they have several receivers back. I think everything points to them having – one heck of an offensive year, and and if you if you remember, Daniels didn't start till like the last four games of last year because of an early season injury. And well, the so, injury the injury was from the previous year, uh, but yeah, your your point stands right. And, and but when he did start, their production went up immediately, mm-hmm. and so he had little game experience with them, little system experience but he immediately turned them around over 100 yards per game and the scoring went up 10 points or whatever it was over the last few games. And immediate improvement. And now he's got the whole offseason, the spring. They'll have some other things, you know, going on in the fall practice. But they will they will come up and will be, in my opinion, one of the top 10 offenses in the country. Now defensively, though, they got decimated in the draft, very much like Alabama. Now, they have a lot of they have a lot of talent back there stacked, just like Alabama does, but I think they lost most every linebacker they had played in last year. They lost a couple of defensive backs as well. The ones they have back, I don't know, were premier. I think they had trouble 
sort of like a lot of teams last year, stopping the pass. And so they're going to have some real question marks on defense. And I don't think they can beat Clemson with those question marks. We know that Clemson's quarterback now in his first full year, with the sample size that we've seen, I feel like that's going to be one of the premier quarterbacks in the country. Oogaloogaloo. He, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's Close on the Heisman. Enough. Yeah, he's on the Heisman list already. And yeah, so, so I, ex- Bo Nix. <laughs> I expect him to play well, but that is not a good time to be breaking in a new defense when you're playing against somebody who can, who can really get after the ball offensively and as we've been alluding to offense wins championships we've been saying it for years and years and years and years but uh that's it's never been more true than it is now that offenses have have outpaced defenses and if i'm going into that game i would much prefer to have the better offense versus the weaker defense now georgia i just explained has is going to have a good offense i expect that to be a high scoring game I have no idea what the total. Have they even released a total on that game? I've yet? not seen one. It'll be it'll be sixty two to sixty nine, it, maybe. It'll be a big number, I think. It'll be a big number, and I think it will it will get every bit of it. And I just feel like Clemson's defense will 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 be the it factor there. They will have Trump Georgia on their defense. The two offenses are probably very evenly matched. But Clemson will come up with a couple more stops. But after that, I think I think Georgia takes care of business in the East. There's not a lot of resistance there. They get Florida at the cocktail bowl, like we talked about. But that's neutral. Other that's going to be their highest ranked team left. I don't know how you got them losing to unranked Missouri, but that's that's okay. That's okay. That's that's you. It's a podcast, Tom. We can't be the same. I mean, what a boring world we'd live in if, if we were the same on every pick. <laughs> and, you know, look at – and I have just pulled up my helmet schedule, my secondary window, and they pull Arkansas and Auburn from the west, and I don't want to put words into your mouth or numbers beside those teams, but I think it's pretty safe to say neither one of us are going to have Arkansas nor Auburn winning – the uh, the ACC West, so they don't they don't pull the easiest teams in the West, but they darn sure don't pull the toughest. That's correct, and so that that's uh, I don't think I have any. I'm looking through I'm looking through my notes, JT. Like you you taught me to take notes. I'm looking through there. I think I've touched on everything. Well, good, good. We are at 49 minutes on the on the old ticker. So whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I do. I, I forgot. Uh, oh there, there is one, one aside, one aside. AP poll come out today. Who was number that? one? Who was number one, Tom? <laughs> Alabama. Roll Tide. <laughs> Roll Tide, Paul. For, for forever, how many years in a row? We, Since our 08. Our streak stays alive. Since 08, we have been number one in at least one poll at, one, at least one point in the year. And I, I was mean, very scared last year, but I say scared. I was, I was, last year because the way everything stacked up, we, it, it looked like it was going to be one of those things where we had to win it to to get. Yeah, it. yeah. Didn't it looked like we couldn't get number one until we won it, and that's tough. 
Yeah, Clemson losing to Notre Dame kept the streak alive. Of course, we yep. would have we would have kept it alive after we won, but they were not going to lose their number one status with Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, and, and uh, versus Mac Jones. Of course, now Mac is <laughs> Mac did did really well last year and is, and is slated to maybe not start game one for the Patriots, but he is definitely looked at to be the starter there in the in the future. So, uh, but yeah, you're right. We were not going to get that number one spot without Clem- a Clemson loss or a, a Bama national title, and and we got both. So, and in good. case you and in case you hadn't seen it, when the coaches poll come out, only two teams got votes. Alabama got all of them, and Oklahoma got what one or two. Two. I'm sure Saban voted for Oklahoma. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Five different teams are voted number one in the AP poll. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. Like I said, I was on the course today, so normally when I'm at work, I have time to piddle. I couldn't piddle on the course today. So uh, the last thing we're going to do is I, I asked Tom just to uh, to, to kind of list a surprise team from these seven in the east, and we'll do it again in the west. And what made me think about it is because I've already done my western teams, and, and the surprise team, I would not be surprised if we have the same one next week, and it'll make sense. But I'm like, well, we're going to do it for the west. Let's do it for the east. And my surprise team can be good, can be bad. I, I've got Tennessee. I mean, like I said – I'm going to pick them last in the division every year we do this podcast, but I legitimately think they go 0-8 in the SEC, and who would have ever thought that in a normal year they would go 0-8? So that's my surprise team is how bad Tennessee is going to be. Music to my ears. Wow. Actually, I had forgotten about the surprise team, but I'll go ahead and say that my surprise team, and I know you went a surprise direction of going down – but I will go a surprise team of Florida actually going up. Now, I've got them at third, but I have them in the tiebreaker game with, with Kentucky for that third-place spot. But if that, if that offense gets moving like, a, like they have the potential to do, and we just went over the point that can, uh, Georgia – uh, has got a suspect defense themselves. So if if Florida gets rolling, they have Alabama at home, third game. I mean, that's uh, if you're ever going to get Alabama, this is the time to get them. Alabama has lost, you know, every award winner <laughs> from from the nation last year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the best quarterback, best running back, best wide receiver, best offensive line, best uh, – I mean, just, just crazy uh, facts. They lost every one of those guys. So, if you're ever going to get them, that's the time. But even if they lose that game, they they could certainly win at Kentucky. That's not, that's not a stretch. I felt like that was a toss-up. They were 2-3. They could certainly win at Kentucky. Then they have a neutral site game versus Georgia – they could absolutely be eleven and one with the uh, with the uh, rematch in Atlanta, or beating Alabama. They could be twelve and zero. They have they have opportunity there, but they they will likely go where their mobile quarterback takes them. And like we discussed, Mullins Mullins good at that, so I'd keep my eye on them. Yeah, that's not a not a bad pick at all. So that wraps up the SEC East, and uh, we both have Georgia playing somebody in the West in, in Atlanta uh, come come uh, December first weekend of December. So we will find out who that is next week. Tom, <laughs> let me tell you something. If you're going to hate Auburn, 
You have to hate early and you have to hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys. Have you seen Junior's grades?